Friends, it's Morgan Snyder, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. We are going through an extended series here where we're diving into the 2019 Become Good Soil intensive audio recordings. We're at part four. Friends, it's Morgan, and you have arrived at another narrow door that leads back to the recovery of the narrow road that leads to life. I am so excited to jump in. I just have a smile ear to ear. I've just walked through the session that you're about to dive into afresh for the first time since I offered it at the 2019 Become Good Soil Intensive. In each of the sessions, there's a lot of it that's an experience that can't correlate to an audio. A lot of it is interactive. A lot of it is on video. So I'm doing what I can to bring you as much of a session as possible. And in the Become Good Soil Intensive, we're obviously not uh, able to go into every topic. The idea is to communicate big ideas of this decade of becoming, and then follow the spirit and ask the spirit, what are the particulars that we are to dive into in this particular intensive? Because it changes shape every time. And so in this session, generally, it's the categories of becoming good soil and cultivating a habitat for the heart. And as part of that cultivation, we dive pretty deep into the category of becoming a generalist. And so those are the topics that we'll get into now, but we're going to begin with the audio from the movie trailer of We Bought a Zoo. Let's jump in. Look, I'm the one who gets the emails about your lack of effort, man. Okay? You either know where the book is or you don't. Dad, it's whatever. Look, I'll know it when I get to school. You know what? Whatever is the laziest word of the 20th century, all right? I'm, I've had it with whatever. I don't want to hear it again in this century ever again. Whatever is over. He says it all the time. You won't have anything left to say in this century. <laughs> Rosie is the most adorable little girl. How many of you are familiar with that on some level? Like name a word. So just raise your hand and just like a word that comes up of what that evokes, of what it resonates with. What's the condition of soul in that atmosphere? Chaos. Just put up a hand. I'll just point. Barely. Jonathan, triage. Rushed. Frenzy. Suffocated, reactionary, survival, overwhelmed. Guys, we do not find ourselves in the habitat for which we were made. And I don't need to tell you that. What I do need to say by way of very deep hope and promise 
is we don't have to live that way. We don't have to live that way. The world is, is spun up. I think that's the best term I can find for this kind of cocktail of the spirits of our age. It has people spun up. And the danger of being a man who's about the kingdom is the enemy tries to get a like Christian version of that, of dogpiled in really good things. Right? As Jesus said, the poor will always be among us. As long as we're driven by needs outside, we will be ragged and worn. And it'll never be enough. But it doesn't have to be so. And part of the recovery of this ancient path, this narrow road, that the elders, the guides have set out, is you can live counterculturally. Now, yes, you, you cannot control all of your circumstances and all of your outcomes. But I want to take a stand and say you can, you can have fierce mastery over much. And in time and over time, as you are transformed from the inside out, and as you are architecting in heroic participation with your father from the outside in, over time, your soul can be strengthened, refreshed, vibrant, with life. And you can go from being mostly a canal that the water comes in and it goes out and you're left empty to a reservoir that you live and act in courage and love out of abundance. It is available and it's possible. And it's about cultivating a habitat for the decade. There are a lot of categories in here, guys, and we're not going to touch on a decade of content. We used to try to fit touch points on a decade of content into four days, but now there's content out there and you don't need more content. That's not the point. Um, We're content bingers by nature. This room is filled with rather overachieving men. Um, Recovering overachievers, maybe. Better said. We have some bearing points though. And there are many in the notebook and on resources and content, but praying over tonight and sensing the spirit, there were two that we felt the spirit wanted to go deeper in with this big idea of how do you move from reactive, hurried, right? Benjamin Meese facing an honest dilemma. He's lost his wife. Things are not as they were planned to be, but they are what they are. And God is with him. God hasn't changed. And more life is available than he has been led to believe. And so he begins taking great risks. So there are two bearing points I want to name for tonight in the spirit of God, where is my frontier and what do you have? And the first um, deals with what I mentioned on Thursday night about taking the lowest seat at the table. It's in the Lord's work, the Lord's way with Francis Schaeffer where he says, seeking the higher place is a contradiction to the teaching and the way of Jesus. He said, it's the, you know, the, the parable of the wedding feast. He said, you must do the Lord's work, the Lord's way. In other words, you can't just have, his, have the fruits of his life without living the way in which he lived. You must take his teaching seriously and not press on to a greater place unless he makes it impossible to do otherwise. What's so important here 
is um, the posture of soul in this. It's fascinating when you observe Jesus where the king of kings, at the end, the crescendo of his mission to equip his apprentices, they still haven't figured it out. They're still bumbling and they're, they're bickering over who's the greatest, right? Like they're fighting over who's going to be the biggest deal when he's gone. Could you imagine? He's like, really? Like three years of not just observing, but participating. And so it says, knowing that he came from the father and knowing he's returning to the father from that place he chose to wash the feet of his disciples. He chose to take the lowest place. He chose to live out love in action, to do the humiliating, to model. He's a king with a servant's heart, as Bill Johnson says, and he serves with the heart of a king. His question is answered. And my question to you is where and how is God prompting you now to take the lower seat? What we want to do out of our achieving, figure it out, self-sufficient nature is we want the formula for lowest seat. Uh, You you go, okay, what does this look like in my life? The lowest seat doesn't necessarily have correlation with what it looks like above the waterline. You can take the lowest seat when you're by title a big deal of something that the world might call a big deal. But if the posture is the lowest seat in your soul, it transforms everything. I was spending time with one of the alumni. We were wrestling with this, a group of, of mature guys that came through the intensive. Um, and we, we talked about this for a while. And we said, what does it look like to love as a king in this posture? And, and, and my friend just crystallized this idea where he said, as I am being compelled, like pushed literally by God. He's made it impossible not to do these things by taking leadership, right? And the the word force is a little tricky, right? But it's being prompted, pulled, compelled by God. He said, it's actually an invitation to an even lower seat. That's on motive. That's on posture. So the world might see differently, but you know in your heart of your posture of what it's about. And like, and I'll give you an example of, you know, um, early in this, all of this, the, uh, before the intensive existed, right? The posture was about training, about carrying the bags, about permission to be young, taking the lowest seat, sitting in elders. And there was this process where, as I talked about, Aaron and I, like, we were just compelled where we had to share it with a few peers. And then we got to the point where like just so much prompting and asking, we finally said, Spirit, are, are you, do you need us to do this? And then we're at Bart's Ranch, right? And fast forward over years and God spoke my name, me personally, my first name, part of my white stone in October of 1998. And I'll just share confidentially, you know, trustworthy with you guys Part of it was, you're a man who shapes the man who shaped the kingdom. And I thought, yes, like I'm going to run with that, right? Because there was an uninitiated boy in a man that heard that. And what I didn't know at the time was it was meant to be the fuel for a process of becoming. 
And I became the kind of person that actually was willing, but not interested. Willing, but no longer wanting it. And God put me in a place. And I was at the first Bear Trap Ranch conference, you know, for intensive. I looked around the room and I went, these are the men who are shaping God's kingdom. And I get the privilege of serving them, but it was an altogether different heart and different posture. I named that as an example of, oh my goodness, like it became without my architecting and building. And it's something I actually didn't ask for. And so now the world may look at it and say, well, you're, you're leader. Like this isn't the low seat. That's what you might see. Um, for me, this is the lowest seat right? Because of what it requires to serve you in love. And, and I'm just speaking like full, like disclosure and genuine heart. That's my posture of, I do this in love. It's the opposite of like arrived, right? Um, and so this journey is so central to the heart of a king, of the constant process of, of, taking, choosing the lower seat, but so much of the time it's on the level of motive. Um, Jim, I'd love for you to come up. Jim has been, he's a facilitator. He's been an uncle um, and a dear friend to me. His kids are a half a generation in front of mine. And so every time um, his kids would get to a stage, I would think, well, my kids are never going to be there. Like, well, you have, you have big kids, you have old kids. And we'd blink and I'm there, right? Josh was sleeping in Jake's bunk bed, you know, that he slept in and the kids are on their trampoline and we get there. And Jim, uh, when I was praying about this topic, no one's modeled this more for me than you. You have lots of reasons to be a big deal. In a lot of circles, you could be a really big deal. And in my entire relationship with you as a younger brother, um, looking to you, you have shown me a path of, of constant, just supernatural amazement of, of watching you assume a lower seat. And I get to watch the fruit and the impact of how God uses you in multiplying impact for the kingdom from these hidden places. And so I was just compelling this topic. One, I just love, and, and this is a big risk for Jim. Like, I, um, so thank you for saying yes. And I, I would love to hear like what your heart's thinking mm-hmm. is on that. Yeah. I'm a very different man than I was a decade ago. And I think largely through just consenting to say, yeah, I went through a long season of self-promotion you know, my, my young man was marked by, you know, athletics and drivenness and it wasn't good enough to win. You know, I'd win by, you had to dominate. You had to really put yourself above the next man. And um, through the work of God in my life, through especially through the ministry of Ransom Heart, just the, the fruit in my life, I just realized I don't want to be a self-promoter and shine up the outside of the cup. I want to change the inner man. And Morgan, you've modeled that for me. Like your teaching has been just transformational for me. And to walk with you, like I, I experience you as being a very different man than mm-hmm. you were a decade ago. And, and I thank God that you experienced that in me. And, you know, as you're 
just asking me to come up with something fresh, I, I'll, I'll just share something in my life. You know, like you see the fruit of, of, you know, I'm just even more convicted by how God's transforming me because men, you know, we can look like one thing to our brothers. And, um, you know, two days ago, I was actually convicted about how I've assumed, not assumed the lower seat in my home in certain ways. And I'll specifically talk about finances because that's what God really put on my heart. Two days ago, he convicted me to say uh, for two and a half decades of marriage, I've kept my wife in a cage because she's a little wild with spending and a little bit unfathered and unfinished and uninitiated. And rather than initiate my wife, um, and teach her how to be a godly woman in this realm. I just stuffed her in a box, and the best I could do was control, like mm. put a put a thumb on her, you know. And and her experience of me in that realm, in our financial life, and I've come a long way in certain things, but this is one that God's still working me over. Um, he just real it made me realize that I've actually created a, a heart of scarcity in my wife. Like that would be her experience of mm. me as a financial leader. And so God offered an invitation to me two days ago, and I'm kind of crapping my pants about it. And uh, <laughs> he basically told me um, it's time to give her full, give her all the reins. Like you need to give her full control of the budget, full control of the spending. She's actually going to give you a budget and tell you what you can spend. And um, that's the freshness. And it feels like frontier. It feels so risky. And if you guys knew my story like a decade ago I was broke because of some you know 2008 real estate transactions and some un, uninitiated places in me and bad decisions and we've come through and we're actually thriving and God's asking me to take it to another level and I'm I'm crapping myself today so that's my story way to go buddy yeah I'm, I'm yeah I'm proud of this guy yeah man thank you it's awesome. Yeah. Man, I, it's a perfect segue into the next category. I just love God and how he works. Yeah. <clears throat> and guys, um, be, because I, I know Jim wouldn't want me to say this, uh, but I think God would. So I would say it. Um, again, back to motive. Like Jim strikes me and my experience of him is one of the most financially generous people I've ever met. Like, it's our ping pong table that provides the most joy for our family, he gave us. Our trampoline that used to provide the most joy when we had little ones, they gave us. The bunk beds that I laid in bed every other night for years with my son, he gave us. Like, and so when I think of Jim, I think like, man, this guy, he's got that category nailed right? is my outward experience. And then I hear that and go, whoa, sucks to be you. I'm feeling shrinkage, right? Like, wow, you guys, like, and that's where even the false comparison, it's just absolutely unhelpful. God only tells a man his own story. So even thank you, Jim, for risking and just even your generosity in the midst of a battle like that. So it's beautiful, this category of taking the low seat and segueing into it of taking the risk um, as 
Jim particularly laid that out. The next category that I feel really compelled that the Spirit wants to invite you to consider, where is your frontier in this? Where's your personal frontier? Then we can pray for both of them. But this is a category I hope you all know, but it is this fundamental, again, bearing point of cultivating a habitat for the heart. Okay, that's what we're after. And Alan and I, I mean, just one of the trigger points, we were putting together a set of uh, shelves for Stacy in our office. And it's Ikea. None of it's really wood. And there are always parts, always two missing. You always put a screw too tight. If you break something, you can't fix it because it's not real. You guys all know this, right? It's Ikea. And these directions were just getting me so angry. And uh, like, again, being aware of what's going on inside of me. And this is the way I read them, right? Of, hey, hey, you. Go find your wife's little pink toolkit that her dad gave her when she left home, right? And a screwdriver and a hammer. Just get those two things, nothing else. You heard what I said, those two things. And now don't do something stupid. I know very quickly, though this is a simple project, you're going to screw it up and get an all tangled mess. And I want to contrast this with a video and just notice what your heart does when you watch. Hello, Trouble. It's been a while since we last met. But I know you're still out there. And I have a feeling you're looking for me. You wish I'd forget you. Don't you trouble. it is you that has forgotten me. Perhaps I need to come find you. Remind you who I am. Tell me what it evokes in you. Just again, just pick a word and and just search yourself and say, what, what surfaces? Strength, destiny, that's good. Adventure, confidence, grit, fully alive, identity, overcoming. I can do anything. Mastery, yep, bring it. Right? There's just a deep confidence, right? There's a, it's just the opposite of reacting. And what I've been struck by in, in walking with elders and observing that there, there's something that's been stolen that can be recovered. And it's seeded 
on the foundation we've been talking about, becoming a father or, you know, receiving God as a son is the foundation. And from that place, there's this other category that I've named becoming a generalist. Becoming a generalist. Because we, we're, we're, we come into a culture, it's a unique time in history. And part of the particular assault against the masculine heart is this culture of specialization. And there's nothing wrong with pursuing the particular gifts and skills and intention God had has, but it was meant to be seated in a heart that is whole and full, confident, engaging, rather than atrophy. But what, what happens is things atrophy in us. Lewis calls it men without chess, right? In a sort of ghastly simplicity, we remove, remove, remove the organ and demand the function. And then we're shocked when we have men without chess. Um, we laugh at our, we laugh at honor, and we're shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate the gelding, and we bid them be fruitful. Something gets robbed from the heart of a man. Something goes to sleep. Something goes dormant, and we can get that something back. But the path is what I'm very curious about tonight. Because hear me, please. It's very particular. It's very particular. It's easy to watch this and go, oh, I got this. I got this. Or I've been through that. Yeah, I remember that and I did that. Or no, like, yeah, I just, no, uh, not. Okay. Those are different responses. But we're going to pause and ask, Holy Spirit, where are you leading? What is my frontier in this? See, a man and a knife was meant to save the world. It's just a beautiful metaphor because God plants in us what he um, intends to bring his rule on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Paul says in Romans, creation groans with eager expectation. We were meant to be the antidote, not independently. We can do anything anywhere in Christ through a restored heart, right? That's the intention. It was intended to be. But where is your frontier in this? Because like Jim just described the finances. And for him, he's coming, he's matured enough to now come to a revelation of how he's been reacting in control with Lisa. And it's a huge frontier for him. That's very particular from him. And it may not look like the Hello Trouble video, but it will sure feel like it right? That's the feeling. Here's what we're after is what feels uncomfortable? What feels weak? What feels uninitiated? Particularly, we're looking for the particulars. Because if you're kind of on the front end of this, there's a lot where even the symbolism of carrying a knife, right? Like um, it's just not very practical, in a lot of everyday positions in our technical, modern, specialized world. And it's not helpful. It's not helpful. You guys have probably heard the story when my son was young. I asked him, I said, Joshua, what, what does a man need? We were in the truck going somewhere and he thought about it. He was a little, little guy. And he said, dad, men need a wallet and a cell phone to survive. 
And I just laughed out loud. And then I realized he was so, it was brilliant because he was naming the reality in which he observed. A man always has a wallet and a cell phone. And at that moment I said, okay, something's got to shift because his dad is a man who always has a wallet and a cell phone. When I looked in the mirror, what I saw back in these days, in the early days, though, you know, kind of in my 20s, I was this size, but what I saw was a, a fat boy that couldn't work with his hands and was dangerous to himself and others in the wilderness. That's what I would have told you. If I was really honest, those were the four things. I weigh a buck 50, but what I saw is this very large boy that couldn't work with his hands and was not safe, was, was really a threat in wilderness because it was just fearful for me because I wasn't raised in that. I came to Colorado, I was uninitiated, and God used that, this process of becoming a generalist. And bow hunting was a huge place of initiation, working with my hands. And I was doing a project, I was pouring concrete last week with Abigail and, and, and I, my little um, 11-year-old. And it just hit me like God's worked through those place, places of initiation for me with my hands and in the wilderness where like it's not about my hands in wilderness. It's about what God healed in my heart. And that's no longer my frontier. But there are other pieces that I feel weak, that I feel uninitiated, that I don't feel comfortable in the world of men. And so what is it for you? What is your frontier? A lot of it starts with simply pausing from outsourcing. Jim's story was an example. His role of controlling the finances by giving it to his wife to say, I trust you. I call it soul sourcing instead of outsourcing. Right, where he said, I, I need to give this over to her because my control is actually what I need to relinquish. It's in the same spirit where so much of the time we, we either need to give away or take on soul sourcing, something that we've outsourced out of fear, shame, resignation, um, and just simply efficiencies and convenience. It might be things like doing your yard work the finances, cutting your grass, fixing things, working with your hands, those sorts of frontiers. Um, it's, it's things that evoke in you places that feel untested, untrained, unlearned, unfathered. And every one of us has a frontier. One that's really been beautiful is read the manual. Guys don't read manuals, right? We have it figured out. And and, and, and there's something really humble and strong about reading the manual. I, I, when I got my truck, it's an old truck, and um, I, I drove up in this field in the mountains. I read the manual, and it was just fascinating, all these pieces, and I could just feel something being fathered and healed of saying, you know, I, I don't know a lot about this vehicle. I have more kingdom than I have mastery. So, so much of it is this process of pruning your kingdom. One of the holiest acts of a king is pruning your kingdom, the constant work to soul size your kingdom. Kingdoms by nature grow. Kings have a bend towards building. But so much of it is pulling back the reins of pruning so there can be greater yield. And guys, the, the, the risk of this um, video is it becomes a caricature 
because some of you guys, you're good with tools. You know, you might be a coach and you might be work on a ranch and, but your frontier might be getting dressed up for a formal dinner and taking your children to somewhere with way, actually, way too many forks and wine glasses, white linen cloths. You know, we dropped a boatload of money at this fancy place because I, I grew up in a little bit of that world and I grew to disdain it. And so I have this like rejection of it and I, I've come to react. And you don't ever want parenting to be shaped by a reaction to what you had. And I was where I was. And so I avoid, you know, the, the white collar kind of country club lifestyle. I, I just, I, I intentionally avoid it. And I realized like, my kids, part of them having fierce mastery and being generalists is they have to be exposed to be able to handle themselves in different cultures. And so we, we went out to this uh, cowboy star dinner and it was just fantastic. And, and, um, and just watching the kids learn how to use cutlery and proper manners. And I thought, this is blowing my mind that this is part of becoming a generalist. But like for me, it felt weak. On some level, it felt like, I, this is not what I want to do. That was a frontier. And so I think what I want to name is at this stage, I'm, I'm very um, intrigued with their places that now something has been healed, something has been recovered, but they have formed a foundation to take bigger risks for me now. For example, I was praying about this week going like, where is the frontier for me in this category? And um, there's, there's two really big ones. And one is my wife this month celebrates her 15th anniversary of being full-time mom. It's been her life for 15 years. And we are in a major transition and God's asking me to fight for her vocation beyond parenting. And I don't know how to do it. And full disclosure, I turned 40 three years ago and I sensed the father speak three really bold things to me, which, which I remember because my hearing isn't always most of the time that clear, but it was boom, boom, boom. And one of them was, this is her decade. It was three years ago. And I have bumbled and stumbled my way to trying to understand what that means. I have very little proficiency in, in, in championing my wife's vocation, but I actually believe she's called to influence uh, people far more deeply and more broadly than I am. And I, I, I'm bumbling. I don't know how to do that. And we still have kids in our home and we still have a lot of day-to-day kind of emotional caring. I'm bumbling and I feel vulnerable in that area. If you ask me about that area, I feel exposed. I feel vulnerable. We leave Sunday. On Monday, I get on a flight and I, I'm um, shipping out to a recovery uh, program. In 21 years of offering events, I've never attended one. And God said, you're overdue. I want you to be in a chair. I want you to receive. I want you to participate. December 1st began a pretty radical process of the next layer of excavation of putting to death that, that false man and, and, and I didn't, as a visionary and a strategist, I so often am baited to live in the long term. And that anxiety, that basketball on my chest, I, I just couldn't get rid of it. And God said, I want you to reorient to the day. It's day one. And December 1st was day one. I'm day 154 
of working my sobriety and my deep addiction is coming through for people. That's my drug. And I've worked for 154 days, a day at a time. I put to death the fear, the shame, and, all, and, and, and it feels like death to step into those things. And so I'm going to my intensive on, on Tuesday. And I mean, it, full disclosures, I, I write a check, 5,600 bucks, okay? Cheaper the intensive. They have a cell phone vault and it's not optional. It's mandatory. I mean, this is like the real deal place. I've never done this. I feel like in third grade, you know, I, we, it's $100 more than we paid for our last vehicle. Okay. Like, like I can now handle a knife. I can now handle a chainsaw. You know, I can do a lot of trades. I can, but I'm terrified to go to this recovery program. I'm terrified at the thought of how to navigate the three different graduate programs my wife is considering and how to coach her through work and volunteer shifting. Those are my frontier in getting my whole heart back as a generalist. What about you? There are a lot of other bearing points, but all of them come together with the intention of creating habitat. Creating a habitat because what happens is your heart gets awakened and restored and refreshed. Remember that first time I, I chainsawed and brought home and, and built a fire with wood that I cut. And now we heat our house with wood. And the first time my kids ate a steak from an animal that I harvested, it was like healing the masculine soul. And that's what I feel like about this recovery week and about my wife's career. It's the same. Jim's finances to risk giving her the reins and opening the cage, letting her fly. Oh, it's a risk. So Holy Spirit, where are you for us in these categories? I'm asking for you to shine your light. I'm asking you to shine your light. What is my frontier? What are you exposing? This category of a generalist, where where is it for me in my story that I would say to step into that is very uncomfortable. To step into that feels, ah, I'm uninitiated. I'm scared. I'm very uncomfortable, particularly as a man in this realm. And God, I'd love to know from you, how does this fit with the lowest seat? And where is it that you're showing me that on the level of my motive, you're wanting to shine your light, help me in my apprenticeship in kingdom living, to know where and how you're asking me to walk, be in rhythm with you. What's the peace for this day, God, that you're wanting to reveal? God, I 
confess that I want to live on the frontier with you. I want the with God life. I want to increase in my capacity to take risk with you and live in a way where you have to show up or it just simply doesn't work. Jesus, I'm asking for you to energize my soul to give me the courage to step into these places, the courage to take the lowest seat and let you use it to shine your light on all the places that are unfinished and unyielded and unconsented. Holy Spirit, show me what the frontier is that you have for me. Guys, I want to contrast it by way of hope with the final scene from We Bought a Zoo. Because what's so cool is a lot of the circumstances haven't changed externally in things that Benjamin Me can't control. But the things that are in his power, he does choose to engage in risk-taking. He begins to cultivate a habitat, not only for his own heart, but the heart of his family. He begins, as he cultivates that habitat, it gets worse before it gets better, and he gets exposed. And there's another cut deeper. But what happens is the parts that are atrophied begin to get healed. Where he was hiding in the corporate world, he works with his hands. Where he was avoiding relationship or was aggressive, disengaging in relationship with his kids in an aggressive nature, he actually comes to the center. And they finally get their dad back. Let's watch what happens. Do you remember what you told me when I was a kid? You only have to be courageous for 20 seconds. It has guided me my entire life. All right, ladies first. Where are we going? Now, hang on. So, okay. Stop. She was right there. This is the moment where both of you became a possibility. I love that you're telling stories again. This is the story before the story. This is where you and you begin. Because this is where I met your mom. She was sitting right there in that chair. Hang on. Hey, hey, so I was walking by and I saw, and I literally stopped like this, just stopped and went, oh my God, that is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my entire life. But I've never done anything like this. I'd never gone and talked to a total stranger before, but she was right there. And so I thought to myself, 20 seconds, right? Go. Now I'm in the restaurant, and I'm terrified, thinking about leaving. I can actually touch her. She's right there. She still hasn't seen me, and I still have 15 seconds of courage left. I'm going for it. Bravery. Here's what I said. What? I said, excuse me.
Hi, Mom. Hi, Mommy. Why would an amazing woman like you even talk to someone like me? Why not? Friends, it's, it's this moment, present moment, that touches and accesses all eternity. This is all available. That is available. See the life, the engagement, and I've seen it in the lives of these guides that have gone before us. Yes, I see the battle. Yes, I see the setbacks. But the major theme is you can fight for the restoration of your heart in a way that in time and over time, you can begin to cultivate a habitat that the predominant theme allows you to live in the present moment in the with God life and get more and more of your heart back and be able to give that to others. It's available. It's available. It's available more than we have come to believe. Friends, this audio version of the Become Good Soil intensive session is meant to help slow you down, to give honest consideration about the habitat in which you find your masculine soul and what you can do in your power to begin to see differently, to begin to um, open your eyes through the window of your soul to the interpretation that all that's unfolding the primary story is God's initiation of your masculine soul. And so in this session, as you know, we dove into the big category of becoming good soil and cultivating the habitat in which your soul can thrive in this path and process. And within that context, the category of becoming a generalist is absolutely vital. In the Becoming a King book, the chapters. Chapters five is on the generalist. Chapter six is becoming a warrior and chapter seven is become good soil. So those are excellent chapters for digging deeper. And then the corresponding sessions, sessions four and five in the becoming a king study guide in video will help take you deeper as well. The further excavation section on this is excellent. There's all sorts of treasure trails that you can follow as you do this work. I think what I want to say as we close up this session for you personally is these two big categories of soul sourcing over outsourcing. As you are hopefully getting increasing visibility, there is a simple um, trend and tendency to relinquish the very external things that facilitate our internal transformation. And so what is it that's been outsourced in your life and how do you recover the fierce mastery of soul sourcing? That's a really important prayer and I wanna invite you to slow down and linger on that big idea, the big question and big invitation into doing the excavation here. And secondly, as I mentioned in the teaching, 
uncovering, or I should say recovering the generalist is this question of where do I feel weak? Where do I feel uncomfortable? Where do I feel uninitiated in the world of men or places that I perceive as masculine? I think another way to really get to this pretty clearly is where do I hide? Where do I hide? What do I use to hide? And what is it that I'm hiding from? These are really important questions that over time will help you recover these the depth and dimensions of your masculine heart that have been atrophied or neglected or minimized. Very recently, I launched a new uh, Become Good Soil blog. If you haven't seen it, it's A Man and a Knife Can Save the World. I have two homework assignments for you in this next month particularly. I want to invite you to two things. In that blog post, I come back to the fresh idea of bestowing knives. I want to invite you to pray, to ask God for a person in whom God wants you to bestow a knife upon. It may be a boy. It may be the boy in a man. It may be an act of love towards your own heart. But whatever it is, I believe that part of this journey that we are consenting to together, God is inviting us to practice the redemptive and restorative act of bestowing a knife on another man. And so check out that blog. I think it's a pretty concise on-road to this act, this ritual, recovering the liturgy of bestowing knives. So choose a knife and choose a story and choose a man and choose a moment in this next month and go for it. And secondly, as I was praying on homework, uh, I sense Jesus say, read the manual. I told the story of uh, buying a uh, GMC Yukon and reading the manual. I'll, I'll never forget the meadow that I sat in up in the high country for a day reading that manual. And I learned all sorts of things about my truck. And it, was a, and it was an act of repentance. It was an act of soul strengthening. I invested in a new rangefinder for hunting and it's been on my shelf for like a month. And yesterday on the Sabbath, I pulled out the rangefinder and I read the manual cover to cover. Now, it could have been mostly easily figured out without the manual. And yet, reading the manual, I learned some really vital features that it has that I wouldn't have figured out by just using it. And actually could have been devastating in not understanding how it actually calculates angle and how that affects shots on a bow. Because my old range, it would actually give actual yardage, but this actually gives the angle, the calculated yardage based on the angle of the shot. And so it's just an example of God rescued me through the maturing act of reading the manual. But there was something more that came through it, you guys. It was pausing to consent to the process, to slow down, to not take a shortcut, to not rush, and so in that spirit, I want to invite you, pick out a manual. It may be for something in your house. It may be for something, uh, your vehicle. Maybe for something that you have neglected or something that you've used for years 
like my chainsaw that I never got around to using the reading the manual. And then I took a course with a guy from Steel that taught us how to use them. And I learned so many things. And it was actually pretty humbling of um, what I was doing wrong. And it was a it was a path again of recovering some part of what God meant when he meant masculinity restored. We'd love to hear your stories. So let us know. Give stories about bestowing knives, stories of reading manuals, stories of recovering your heart as a generalist. In all of this, friends, we are locking shields shoulder to shoulder to become the kind of men in whom God is glad to entrust the care of his kingdom. To become that sort of man, we have to take very soberly and very joyfully the dignity that God puts upon us to participate, to partner with him in shaping a habitat that over time provides a context in which we can participate with him in becoming wholehearted men. You are well on your way. I bless you. Take your time. Go slow. Do the work. Engage with others. Become curious. And let's do it together. And now before we part for today, as always, 60 seconds to pause and linger. This category and big idea of becoming a generalist, of recovering the parts and places that have atrophied, of becoming curious about the uninitiated, about the uncomfortable, about the weak within me as a man in this moment. Linger for 60 seconds and see what the Father would want to bring to you in this place.